Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. Uh, we are going to have a little bit of fun here at, uh, at Eric's. Res- uh, yeah, Eric out of Red Deer, Texas. We mentioned that today's Wayne Gretzky's birthday. And he says, Bob, it's also my birthday today. Well, you know, at your expense, Eric, we're going to have some fun. Bob, also my birthday today from Eric in Red Deer. Yes, Wayne Gretzky's birthday, and it is Eric's birthday as well. Eric, you must be heartbroken to know that you'll only be the second best player that's ever been born on uh, January the 26th. That's got to be a, a tough emotional thing for you to swallow. Uh, anyhow, just uh, just having some fun with you there. As we bring aboard Sportsnet Spec, Mark Spector for the horses, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry and breeding industry throughout the province. Um we will tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal's an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Mark Spector, how are you? Oh, pretty good, Bobby. Looking forward to another hockey game tonight. Kind of uh, getting in the groove of this. You know, it's weird playing the same team twice in a row pretty much every time. Eh? It's oh. going to be even more weird when they come in for three games. Yeah, it's weird. It's different. Uh, you know, uh, if for, you know, if you spent the last 12 seasons privileged enough to, to make every trip that the team did, uh, that's a weird thing as well. I know that your schedule, you were probably at about 60% of the road games the last couple of years. Uh, you know, it, the, the Zoom interviews, the, you know, the separate coaches, uh, opportunity, all that kind of stuff that kind of, kind of came with the territory. Everything's changed here. Uh, and it is different hockey as a result. Uh, uh, what are sort of the reoccurring themes, Mark, that you're seeing? Well, I mean, the reoccurring theme, it reminds me of baseball. Um, uh, no one, it seems like no one ever sweeps a doubleheader, for instance, in baseball. Someone went to first game, someone went to second. And we're seeing that around the league. Obviously, Montreal coming through the West and beating everybody up was a bit of a, uh, I guess, a different thing. But, you know, I think that's where we're going to see a team elevate. Like, you know what? Edmonton needs to. Edmonton's a great example. They come in, they win the first game. Very, very close game. I would say Edmonton was a better team, not by a ton, but they deserve to win. So they win the game. But it doesn't do you any good, Bob, if you just lose the second game. You don't get any ground. You don't, you don't become a top team in the division. So I think flexing your muscles in the second game, I think seeing teams, you know, seize the moment, right? Get your four points out of Winnipeg, not just two. That's, that's what I'll be interested to watch tonight. How would you assess Edmonton's season to date, Spec? They've played seven games. Um, you know, okay. I want to say, though, I'm, I'm more than most. You know, I've been watching a, out of Vancouver. That is such a manic market, right? They're going crazy, and then they beat the hell out of Ottawa, which wasn't any good last night. And all of a sudden, everything's fine. Uh, I'm in a season with no preseason, Bob, you know, and some important new players on this team. I've been a little more 
I'm a little more forgiving. You know, Cassian has had an awful start to the season. Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to look at him after 10 games. Larson hasn't had a good start to the season. Cal Torres hasn't had a good start to the season. I don't think Dominic Cahoon has had a great start to the season. I want to say that if I if all of those guys had five preseason games in under their belt when the season started, I'd feel a little more uh, a little more concerned so you know is that fair bob are we are we it may be a little uh, should we be a little slower to judge this year do you think oh, i wanted to circle you talked about ottawa last night matt murray don't be afraid to make a save uh <laughs> ottawa vancouver gave up like two or three breakaways that that second period instead of the score being 4-1 it could have been 2-2 uh but vancouver ottawa's got to start committing to playing some more younger players uh let's circle back to the orders here spec uh yeah, there, there's no question Turris and Cassian who are now on the third line together. I don't think they'd be happy with their, their start, so I, I would agree with you on that. Uh, defensively, two guys that are right shots, both Tyson Berry and Adam Larson. And I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. Rob, Rob Brown pointed this uh, out after the game on Sunday night, our, our inside the game analyst and orders broadcast. And he talked about being a skilled offensive player when he played. And he, you know, he said point blank, when I wasn't producing on the power play and I was playing with Mario, it got to my game 5v5. And I think we're seeing that Tyson Berry's going through a similar situation. The Oilers power play is nowhere near as productive as it was last year in terms of goals. And I think Barry's kind of fought it a little bit. I'm a little bit surprised he doesn't have a little bit, little bit more quickness in slide steps and that sort of thing. And and Larson, let's put it this way, Mark: if Larson and if Barry wasn't, I mean, the Oilers signed a big off-season move. A lot of people were on board with that, myself included. I wanted, of course, Barry. sure. I want, I wanted sure. Barry here. But if Tyson Barry and Adam Larson were first or second-year players. They would, they would have already been moved out of the lineup. There would have been some other guys playing. They've been allowed to play their way through through some mistakes here. Would you not concur with that? Oh, no doubt. No question. I mean, and, and I'm a little concerned about Larson because this is a prolonged thing here. You yeah. know, he started out last season. He busted his foot in the first game, and he never got back. He never played. He never was the Adam Larson from before that. He was awful in the playing qualifying round, and he's not had a good start this season. So this isn't, you know, I'm... I don't know whether, you know, he's for sure Mrs. Clefball. I mean, for sure. And, you know, let me segue to that a little. I think that, you know, how many times, Bob, did you hear people say, ah, you know, what does Clefbaum really do in the Oilers' power play? Like, all he does is just distribute, right? He just distributes. Well, you know what we're figuring out is Tyson Berry comes in here and it looks a lot wonkier and a lot more disjointed and the distribution isn't nearly as seamless and smooth as it was when Oscar was standing up there. Uh, I would suggest that everyone around the Oilers and Oilers fans and all our listeners are maybe taking a little harder look at the role Oscar played on that power play. Uh, it didn't look like much, but you know what? Some guy, that's a good player, right? The good player doesn't look like he's doing much, but it turns out Oscar Clefbaum was doing a lot. Brendan, if you could, uh, I asked that very question of Adam Larson. It was the third or fourth question in the availability today, just just on how much the team is missing Clefbaum. So if you could circle back to the Oilers' uh, uh, files that uh, were pushed out and see if you can grab that for us. Maybe we'll run it just after 105. So, yeah, I, there's no question the team's missed Clefbaum. I, it's got to be said, though, Nurse and Bear have uh have gotten pretty good go they're going pretty good right now last couple at least they've got one settled uh 5v5 defense pairing now people say 
there's Mert. They're playing 50% of the time with McDavid and RNH and Al Pulleyarvi. Oh, we'll get to Pulleyarvi in a second. But that's helped. At least they've, those guys have settled down a bit 5v5, Nurse and Bear Mark. Well, it's the old cliche. Your best player's got to be your best player. It's like if the Oilers are going to war and, you know, they're, the nurse-bear pairing isn't any good and Larson isn't any good and Barry isn't any good, they're not going to win. <laughs> you know, you don't win with the Slater Kukooks being your best player. That's just why. That's it's just a fact. So, yeah, it's crucial that Ethan Bear's game gets up to where it needs to be. It's crucial that... that that uh, they can lean on some minutes on Darnell Nurse. Like, you know, I think that's why, well, we talked about Darnell Nurse last week. You know, that's sort of maybe in a nutshell, if you're trying to describe Darnell Nurse on this hockey team, like there's a lot of teams around the league who can say our best defenseman, you know, when he's right, we can build a whole team around him. He can carry it. He can slow the game down. You know, all the guys like Petrangelo and Weber and, Dowdy and you know, I would say that at a hundred percent, Darnell Nurse is still a pretty good defenseman, but he's not any of those guys. And anything less than that, and they're leaning on him for first pairing minutes. If he's not playing well, the Oilers are in huge trouble. Some excellent production work here from uh, Brendan Escott back of the studio. Here's Adam Larson on the void, the absence of Oscar Clefbaum. Well, I think, I mean, for me, I. I've said it all along. He's probably one of the most underrated players in this league. Um, I don't think people really appreciate what he brought to the table on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, you can see everything he did, power play, penalty kill, he did it all. So, I mean, that's a huge hole to fill, but I think um, we have guys stepping up here and we got a decor we believe in and it's deep too. So it's, um, but yeah, he's truly missed. That's for sure. Yeah, 25 minutes a game last year, Speck. He was top 10 in the league in ice time, uh, was on the number one power play in the league as a left-shot puck distributor. I think we can all agree the power play looked like it had a little bit more juice with Nurse as a lefty going instead of Barry as a righty. There's been some, uh, and and it's funny because I was told that might occur actually last year uh, by Glenn Gullitson. He said the way this power play is structured, the the right-handy, you know, might not, necessarily work the same and it just has to do with opening up seams and that sort of thing so they, they, there's no question they missed cleft bomb and speck i'll i will tell you this this one story just about being mm-hmm. on the plane being on the plane last year josh archibald scored an overtime against carolina the orders did not have mcdavid on that trip they had won back-to-back games in florida and carolina and at that point i'm like this team's going to make the playoffs. Like, the, the, you know, nobody thought the league was going to shut down from COVID. And after the game, we're flying directly back from Carolina to Edmonton. And Dave Tippett passed a lot, just said, like, uh, we're going to, you know, Oscar's going to be away for the team for a couple of weeks here. And the concern on his face and the appreciation he had, like, and we just thought it was going to be, you know, he gets a shot and pops back in and plays. But there were long-term ramifications. And, uh, you might argue that the Oilers' defense had to look the same really since Clefbaum came out after playing 55 minutes in those two games. Right. And that, and maybe like the yep. coach, the coach, you know, looking back at it now, when I, when I think of the look of consternation on Tip's face at that point, I was like, and I don't like talking a lot about stuff like now that it's happened, <laughs> now that it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's 10 months ago, but. Yeah. 
at that point, I, I was like, well, wow. You know, it was it was surprising to me that he was coming out. He played 55 minutes into the, the two games in back-to-back days, you know, 25 well, and 30 minutes. Well, I think you can say that his, his overall game, at, you know, throughout 60 minutes of all the five-on-five, five, he kills penalties. I think the microcosm is the power play. We watch him run you know, quarterback, the best power play in 40 years in the National Hockey League, and we walk away going, ah, you know, how much does Oscar really do on there? It's everybody else. And then when he's gone, you realize, oh, maybe he does more than we think. Well, extrapolate that, Bob, right? Over, yes. you know, over 25 minutes a night on the ice, you go, ah, you know, he's a nice defenseman, but he's not a number one guy, even though he's the Oilers' number one guy. We've heard all the complaints. I've been the guy making them half the time. But when he's gone, you go, wow, there's a lot of safe, steady hockey I'm missing here. What what happened to that puck that used to get out that isn't getting out? What happened to that guy that used to be defended that isn't being defended as well? Oscar's a better player than maybe we all think. How about that? Uh, I would, you know what, I, certainly to start, there's been a, a clear indication that the Oilers have severely missed him. I mean, think about it. If they have Clefbaum and Nurse, that's 48 minutes uh, on the left side between those two guys, 25 and 23 minutes, right? Yep. And now you're limiting who has to play where in your third pairing. And so if you're bringing along a kid like Caleb Jones, you're not throwing him in there. Uh, Russell at 33 years of age doesn't have to take on 18 minutes a game. Cuckoo's been very good here. It's been a good signing. He comes out today, but it's a whole different conversation on the left side. Let's just circle back to the right side. You know I, I really like Evan Bouchard. I think he has the highest offensive ceiling of any defenseman. If it was me and the Oilers had McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, and Turris as center options, I, I would contemplate going 11-7 and seven a couple times to give uh, Bouchard some minutes. Uh, now we know that Bouchard's got a little bit of a tweak here. Uh, so, you know, uh, does there come a point? Do you, can you, can you, pl- given that you have Bear, Barry, and Larson, they're all righties, is there a mechanism out of those three that you, that you bring in Bouchard and play him a regular shift, or is the only way you're going to get him up and running is in an 11 and 7 format? Well, an excellent question. Um, I want to say this. What you'd like is for every game not to be life and death here, Bob, right? You know, they're trying to find a way to get Jones. Jones is a more um, urgent issue at this point. I think this team feels like it needs Caleb Jones to become a player for it, like right now this season. So he's out of the lineup until tonight. So, you know what, you're not putting them both in together on the first night, and Frankly, they got to get to the point, you know, they'd like to get to the point where maybe they get a couple games on 500, Bob, and they're not. Every game is like, oh my God, if we lose this, we're going to be three games below. Uh, then you can work a guy like Bouchard in, but he's a bit of a, you know, he's injured right now, but he'll, he's a bit of a victim of the urgency of this schedule. This isn't, plus there's, you know, remember, and, and Tippett went on at length this morning, there's way more guys hanging around this team on the taxi squad. You know, he said, usually you got a couple guys that are in a bad mood because they're not playing. Now i got eight or nine. So it's a tough year to break in Evan Bouchard when you're already trying to break in Caleb Jones. Mark Spector joining us. Bob Stauffer with you. Sportsnet Spec brought to you by the horses and horse racing Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing industry. It's 1248. And when we come back... We're going to talk about a guy that we've talked about a ton about over the course of the last three-plus years. The difference is, now the tone has totally changed. Yes, a Pulley RV discussion when we return on Oilers Now. 
Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 6:30. Shed. Well, we'll see if he returns at some point to the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Bob Stoffer with you. Just before we re-engage Mark Spector. We're going to go on the Oilers Now Injury Report, brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, arguably the best football player out of the Alberta Golden Bears program in the last 30-plus years. Jim Brown, uh, involved uh, with the Edmonton Oil Kings over the year. James H. Brown, want you to stay safe and stay positive. And with the injury update, here's Brendan Escott. Winnipeg awaiting the arrival of Pierre-Luc Dubois after that trade. He's still got some quarantine time left, so not available tonight. Otherwise, they've got Nate Thompson nursing a lower body issue and Tucker Pullman on the COVID-19 list. Of course, Edmonton still waiting on Mike Smith's arrival this season and Gaetan Haas getting back up to game speed. Uh, Rangers forward Philip Heedle will miss four to six weeks with an upper body injury suffered in a collision with uh, Evan Rodriguez against Pittsburgh on the weekend. And Chicago lost uh, both Alex DeBrinkett and Adam Boakvist to the COVID list, uh, Bob. So consider them day-to-day as well. Well, and that's one of those situations if you're Jeff Jackson sitting there, the agent for Evan Bouchard. Of course, Jeff has also got a guy by the name of Connor McDavid. Uh, and his firm now has, yes, a Pugliarvi as well. Uh, Adam Boakvist and and Evan Bouchard were both with the London Knights. Uh, they were both in the power play. Boquist was running the Chicago power play earlier this year before COVID hit. Obviously, a minor tweak for Evan Bouchard, keeping him out at least uh, short term. We bring back Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta. The 7,000 men and women employed in our province's horse racing and breeding industry. All right, Spec. Uh, mm-hmm. Players make the decision for the coach. And I don't believe for a second that Dave Tippett plays Yessa Pogliarvi up with McDavid and RNH. If he didn't have some confidence that Pogliarvi could be successful there, in fairness, it was also partially because Cassian had struggled a bit out of the gate. But let's just go back to Yessa. I'm going to be really upfront with you, okay? Really upfront with you. I am surprised. Not that Jesse. You know, I mean, Jesse's going to pick up some points. He's, you know, at, at some point he's going to score a goal. At some point he's he's going to have a multiple assist game. I cannot believe what we're seeing out of him. The level of compete on the pucks, the doggedness and the determination, the competitiveness, engaging physically to win uh, battles, and the end result is you could sense the his own teammates, Mark, from my perspective are looking at him differently right now than they have before. When I'm observing that interaction on the ice, do you agree or disagree with that sentiment? Oh, there's no doubt. And a lot of what he had to do was to show that he was ready to play NHL hockey like an NHL hockey player. And, and, you know, gone from his game, right, are the big wide circles that every junior hockey player has got to get out of his game. You know, you can't, you got to hit the brakes in the NHL. Uh, he's figured out that with his size and strength, playing a straight line north-south, more of a north-south game, and not not a bunch of weaving around in east-west hockey that we watched his first time here, which is very unpredictable and difficult to play with when you're a line mate. All of that stuff's gone. He's easier to play with. You know where he's going to be. He does things that makes everyone's game better. He wins his battles. You don't have to, you know, the play's not dying with him. 
so sure, I think that there's a completely different players. I think that the synopsis, Bob, like we can all talk about what we thought he'd be or what we hoped he'd be or all of those things. All I know is what he is, and he is a completely different hockey player than the last guy that wore the Oilers uniform here. So, Speck, last fall uh, I watched Kyler Yamamoto's first four games in the minors, and he was destroying teams in terms of creating, uh, you know, in terms of puck retrievals in the corner and winning and getting inside positioning against uh, defensemen and, and, and getting more looks offensively off of cycles. And I was like, they got to get this guy up. They're too slow at forward, and he can help them right now. And they brought him up, and in my wildest stream, I would not have believed that he would have 33 points in his first 35 games since being recalled from the minors last uh, just after Christmas last year. And, and, and it's funny because Paul Yarby is like a six foot four version. Like he's the guy that's forechecking on the puck retrieval and creating and getting to lose pucks. That's what's, that's what's kind of like, here's the thing, Mark. If he could, ju- <laughs> if he can just gain some offensive confidence in terms of putting pucks in the net, uh, he's going to get looks playing with the two guys he's going to, but think of where he's 22 right now. Where can the Oilers, with the with the work rate we're seeing from Paul Yarby, where can the Oilers, and if Paul Yarby continues to buy in this, where can they get him to be as a player at 24 25, Mark? Hey, it's, who, who could say? Like, it's not even a fair question, Bob. You know, if you'd have told me that the guy that left for Ulu at the start of last season was going to come back looking this good, I would say, well, you know, let's hope, but I wouldn't have bet a dollar, right? I'm a, I'm a show-me guy. Like, I know the fans love Poyarvi, and the fans are cheering for Poyarvi, and that's great. That's what fans do. I get it. Uh, I'm a guy that watches him play and tell you what I think about how he plays at the moment. And he wasn't a good player before, and all of a sudden now he's a much, much better player at age 22. So, so you used to say this about Darnell Nurse when guys said, ah, he'll never be more than a fourth. They used to say, well, how do you know that? You know, how can you tell? Like, look how far Pugliarvi's come. Well, what's he going to be at 24, 25, Bob? <laughs> Does he get back to being uh, the, you know, he's a prototype of Rantanen in Colorado. Is he ever going to be that good? Well, last year I'd have said no chance. This year I'm, I'm willing to say, how do you, how, how can you say that he won't be? I don't know how, how you could say that. Got every yeah. tool in the, in the box, buddy. He's got every tool. Mark, even if he's big, aggressive, competitive on pucks, involved in strips, goes to the net, he might not score 30, 35 goals. But that, playing with McDavid, that, that's going to be a top six guy. Like, that's all there is. You're just looking sure. for the, you're just looking for the compete. And that's what intrigued me so much about Yamamoto. Like, there were some people that had come into the Oilers organization that had no belief in Yamamoto. They didn't know. They didn't know, right? In any you of the research. And Mark, I'm sorry, but the, the sort of game we're seeing, the, you can't compare it to what we saw with the highlights out of Finland. I mean, if you had highlights out of uh, Europe, you would think that Linus Omark was going to be a world class player, you know, because because of what he could. It's a completely different game, well, and that's uh, what that's what surprised me, me. You know, let me cut you off. Sorry, Bob, but if you had highlights of Jesse Pugliarvi out of Europe, what were the highlights last year? Him taking big loops around the offensive zone and scoring on 28-foot wrist shots on lousy goalies, right? And I'm the first guy that said, hey, that's great. But that won't, you know, scoring 25-foot wrist shots was never 
Jesse Pugliarvi's issue in, in the NHL. So those highlights from Europe, listen, going to Europe was a good thing for Jesse. I think we can probably all agree on that. But the highlights that we saw from, from the Liga in Finland have absolutely no resemblance of the Jesse Pugliarvi we're watching play in the NHL. He's a way better player here than he showed on those highlights there. Attitude defines altitude for players. Right now, Pogliarvi is looking like he's got the right attitude, and that could uh, certainly be very uh, positive for the Oilers. We'll talk Wayne Gretzky, P.L. Dubois, the North Division, and Matthew Kachuk in the next half-hour block with Mark Spector. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.